Mine's good. Life's good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham coming at you from the Rito Curling Club, Scott, alongside, as always. Hey, Sean. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's always fun to do these in a curling club. You might get some ambient noise as the Wednesday night mixed league is on the ice right now here at the Rideau Curling Club. First draw, the 5 o'clock draw. Yeah, full full draw out there. Everyone looks like they're having a good time, except for maybe the team on sheet 2 is losing 4, four nothing, nothing already. After 2, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and lots of game to come, lots of game to come. Yeah, you can always come back, especially in a Wednesday night mixed league. You knew you got the that right. The game is never over. No. So let's talk about the Briar. The Briar is ongoing. Mm-hmm. They're... W- Let's first talk about the format, right? The format in Penticton for the Scotties got a lot of attention. Same format here this week in Regina. My impression is that people aren't as upset about the format now. And my thesis is it's a better field, so you don't notice that there's a a sort of a balance of power. At the Scotties, there was like three teams who were really legitimate teams who you thought could win going into it here there's five or six maybe i would say four but five or six that are at least our playoff caliber team so you don't notice it you're getting better games earlier in the week so i think people aren't as critical of the format because it's a better field yeah that's uh, fair to say sean there's there's uh i think what i said at the end of the scotties now i'd like to say i remember what i say but uh, i do a lot of talking so <laughs> maybe not but uh that I didn't really care about the format. Like it, it was more boring at the beginning of the week and and built up to the end of the week. And I think I said, uh, "Who cares? Whatever." But in this uh, in this instance, we kind of knew who the teams were that were going through. And at least in the Scotties, there was some question as to who that fourth team might be in each pool, or even the third team, because the field wasn't as strong. But in this, uh, I mean. Our predictions have pretty much played out, mm-hmm. and given that, I've found it to be a little more boring this week. Interesting. I, that, that I find that sort of counter to what a lot of people are saying, and that I think is because, with the exception of maybe Sunday night, the games have been pretty good all in all. Even the game where uh, John Epping won 10 to 5, right? It was a blowout. It ended at 9, but it was a 5 in the ninth. Yeah. That ended the game. And uh, I think that was against um, McEwen or whoever it was against, or, or Reed Crothers, excuse me. And that was still a good game all the way through. So what we found at the Scotties was that they were struggling to find TV games early in the week. That's right. right. They would put Jennifer Jones on, and the game was over in the third end, essentially. But we're not having the same problem this week, even though there have been some blowouts. And like I said, Sunday night, all the games were done in, seven, in eight ends. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're not having the same struggle to find TV games in the same way, or they're not having to switch off of games as much. So it feels to me like it's it's a better events just because of that yeah you're definitely right about that it's uh, there's been no shortage of really great games for me i know though that there's just one great game and as soon as that one's done i can feel safe switching the tv off there's not not that sort of excitement to finishing the draw 
that uh, that I kind of like when, okay, now we're going to go to the 10th end here, and now we're going to get the extra end over on uh, this other sheet. So without that, it's, to me, a little more dull, but, but the games themselves have not been that dull. Just right. the storyline surrounding who wins and loses, it doesn't seem as important. I, I guess, but I disagree because at the Scotties, who got the fourth spot? Like the tie-breaking game between Ontario and... Uh, was it New Brunswick and Sylvie Robichaux? Was, was that the tiebreak? And it was uh, Newfoundland. Or Newfoundland and Labrador. Excuse me, I was Stacey Curtis. I mean, I didn't really care because I neither team you felt had a really legitimate chance of making the playoffs. Whereas here, we've seen the concentration of the good teams. And what's interesting about it is watching now for the jockeying going into this championship round mm-hmm. because those well, seven of those teams are going to be really close together, and now it's the sprint for the last four games, which I think is going to be really exciting. And now we can see and look back at what we've, what we've seen in this first round, like Brendan Botcher, for instance, losing that first game, a game that you would think he, he should have won, yeah. that could now come back and really bite him later in the week. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings as they are now, their, their team sits at 5-1, and one, and and uh, if it were not for that hiccup early against uh, Jamie Murphy, yeah, they'd, they'd be 6-0. and oh. So you're right. That is an interesting way to look at it. However, as we sit right now with the second-to-last draw not quite finished, uh, all the teams that are going to the playoffs right now that I would forecast to go to the playoffs, and six of the teams in the championship pool only have one loss. Mm-hmm. So now I agree. I think it gets exciting now. And you know how they got those one loss that one loss is interesting like Mm -hmm. in the case of northern ontario losing to saskatchewan yeah out of nowhere you i was like i woke up and said what the heck happened there but uh so now i think it gets more interesting with those records in play right and that's what you want in an event though right you want it to build over the the course of the week you want it the, yeah, you, I, want, you want the excitement to build and to get better over the course of the week, and I think that's what this format really allows. And and I, I agree with that, but what we're talking about is how have I found the week so far, and to be honest, I've found it a little bit dull. Okay, so like you said, we're recording this as the last draw for Pool B is on the ice, and the four teams there have been already decided. Interestingly enough, just sort of by happenstance, the four teams that are going through to the championship round are playing each other yeah. right now. And essentially, this is the fifth game now of the championship round for those teams Yeah, uh, in that sense, which is kind of interesting. And, and obviously, if you're Saskatchewan, for instance, they're the TV game, you don't want to fall to three losses. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the other oh. pool, you have... I think Mike McEwen plays Brendan Botcher tonight, so one of those teams is going to fall then to two. And to me, it's just this really interesting time. Um, but in Pool B, we both picked the four teams who were going to get through. You're right. There wasn't much debate between those four, with the possible exception that earlier in the week, Saskatchewan struggled. And going into that game against Northern Ontario, I thought they lose that game, then they're done. They, and, they definitely had the distinct possibility. And, and looking at this, the, uh, the scores have come final, a couple of them now. Mm-hmm. So uh, Saskatchewan did lose that game to drop to 4-3 and three against Ontario. So John Epping's team goes through at 6-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And the other game, Northern Ontario beat uh, Manitoba and Reed Carruthers. 
So they six fall to, to three. two. So Manitoba falls to two, and Northern Ontario goes through at six and one as well. Okay, so I'm going to just give Brad Gushu the win tonight uh, against Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah. And then between Botcher and McEwen, so we'll have four teams in all likelihood, guaranteed then to have three teams, but the likelihood of having four teams go through at one loss. Yeah. That's if Brad Gushu wins. Brad, he could lose. Yeah, it's I would. It's possible, I, but I would, I would not expect that to happen. I would not expect that either. So, so four teams at one loss coming through, and now you're somebody, now Saskatchewan at three losses, you, got, you have to run the table. They have to run the table, yeah. There's no question about it. And, and to me, those four teams would be in the driver's seat to, to cruise into the playoffs. Yeah, so that's why that game tonight of Botcher McEwen is really important because yeah. you don't want to get that second loss at this point. Yeah, so in that, in that sense, yeah, the, this game tonight was, is going to be it's going to be good. It's really important and really important. should be really good. Yeah. Uh, now, the other thing in the games tonight, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but there's a chance for a three-way tiebreaker mm-hmm. for the fourth spot in that pool. We talked about this last week, that this pool was more wide open for that fourth spot. Yeah. We didn't know who it would be. The, the, the picks that we both made, we both had the top three who will go through. We got those right. Mm-hmm. And the two teams that we selected, respectively, are still in contention. I had Jamie Cooey. You had Sean Geal. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Murphy has come up. He's had a great week. Even the games he's lost when he's been on TV, he has made a ton of shots. Yeah. And the way it would work tonight is if Sean Geal beats Jamie Murphy and then uh, Jamie Cooey wins his game against... UConn. Uh, UConn. Then we'd have a three-way tie at three and four for the last spot. And... In looking at it, you think this would be fun? I think it'd be a waste of time. <laughs> Given what we just talked about, that you have four teams going through at one loss, <clears throat> yeah. and now you have a team potentially going through at four losses. Yeah, but uh, I always find tiebreakers fun, and I know Vic hates it and never wants to have tiebreaks and, and whatnot, but to me, they, I don't know, it's just kind of cool, kind of fun. Uh, in this format, where you go through and you carry your record, you know, yeah, they don't have a chance, basically, right? Yeah. But well, especially if they're at four. If J- if Jamie Murphy wins and he's at three, Matt, he's still he's like Saskatchewan then. Yeah, that he's up against it. Up against it, basically, gotta run it. Could maybe lose one, maybe, and sneak a tiebreak. Yeah. But but you gotta remember, every other team has al- already got a jump on you. So, you know, where we see seven and four as an opportunity to make the playoffs, maybe not in this format. Not in this format, I don't think. I think I think three is the number that you can have to guarantee yourself something. Actually, in the prior the past few years, that's been the number. That's been the number, yeah, you're right, you're right. So I, I find them less interesting in this format than in the other format. Maybe if you wiped everyone's records and started from scratch, that could be interesting to me too. Or the thing that you do is you wipe the numbers, you wipe the games against teams that didn't advance. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. So in that sense, that could be interesting, but we're not going to see that uh, this week. And, you know, uh, I'm curious about how they would break this three-way tie, given that they've only got one draw for tiebreak. Yeah, so there's no time. So so we've we've talked about it. We tried to find on Curling Canada's website. We don't know. that they, They're not – it's not readily available mm-hmm. from what we can tell. My guess is what that they would either eliminate one of the teams based off of head-to-head records mm-hmm. and just have one game between the two remaining teams, or you make them turn around right after their game tonight, and the same way that you would traditionally in a normal tie break, there's one team that 
sort of gets a bye to the yeah. second tiebreak game. And then the other two teams play to get there. So you make a team turn around tonight and play mm-hmm. at uh, whatever it would be out there. The games are starting at, at 7 local, yeah. right? Yeah. So you, you turn them around and make them play at 1045 or 11 o'clock and then make them get up, get up to in the morning. tomorrow morning. That's what they did in, in Summerside yeah, at the, the pre-trials. Uh, pre-trials. That's sort of the precedent that we're looking at for this kind of, uh, kind of tie break. So I guess that would be it. And based on head-to-head record, Sean Giel would actually get the tie break if he was to beat Jamie Murphy tonight. Yes, regardless of what happens with Jamie Cooey's game. Right, because he already beat Jamie Cooey. So, yeah. so there's that. That would be an interesting twist. And like you say, this team, whoever would go through that potential tiebreak, would be basically eliminated before they start. Yeah, but it's interesting to me that who would have thought at the at the start of the week that this game between Sean Giel, Jamie Murphy on Wednesday night would have ramifications. Sure. And what and what's interesting too, I, I mean, and I mean this with all due respect, these players are all better than me. But in just looking at the teams, I think out of the ones who are potentially going forward that Jamie Murphy's had the best week he's he's played the the closest games and if you're looking for a team that could go through into the next round and be disruptive maybe not make the playoffs but be disruptive get a game or two from the other side that maybe you wouldn't expect and and sort of throw things into a little bit more flux I think Jamie Murphy is the best option for that based off this week yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, he's he's curled lights out some games, you know, and just been the victim of a few uh, great shots by other teams, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think he's he's the team that could disrupt, like you say. And it's interesting, he also uh, was, I think I heard Vic talking about this, but he basically said, listen, we're not professional curlers the way that some of these other teams here are. We don't expect to win, but we come out and we have fun and we try to play our best and you know they're showing it by coming out and throwing some good shots and mm-hmm. and not being scared of the spotlight yeah there were some years in the past where you could tell he was tight yeah throwing and yeah. he's he's certainly not he's just going for it sure. doing his thing and it's great to watch mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. uh, yeah there were times in the past where you'd see him and he just looked like he was in pain like physical emotional pain that this was <laughs> gut-wrenching for him yeah but now he yeah he looks a lot freer looks like he's having a really good time speaking of good times uh just a quick update Ooh. on what's going on on sheet two after a steal of three in the second end for for red, uh, they went and stole four in the third end for an eight nothing lead there. Ooh, but it it's is Wednesday mixed, and they stole four points, so it could happen the other way too. It right? could, so you never know. Or they figure that this game will be done about six o'clock, between six and six ten. Get off the ice, have a bite, have a couple of drinks. You're home by eight. Yeah, it's there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing so, with that. Uh, so another thing that's caught my eye this week is. Um, Eddie McKenzie. Oh, easy Eddie McKenzie. Eddie McKenzie is playing. I don't know what the numbers are, but he is making some shots. Yeah. And he is in it. The way he calls line, I I couldn't sweep for him because it sounds funny to me. <laughs> but it's so, like, Eddie McKenzie is awesome. He sounds kind of like an angry Muppet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like uh, what, what Jim Henson would interpret uh, Oscar the Grouch uh, screaming <laughs> at, like. But it, oh, it's been phenomenal to watch. I mean, he's had ice water running through his veins for some of them draws. And, yeah, he's, uh, he's had a good week, a week to uh, be proud of. Yeah, sure. and every time, he's been, every time he's been on TV, it's been 
close, right? Mm. I, I don't know if they've started any games with him, but they've certainly switched him a few times. And it's really been this cool thing to, to watch. And this is another guy. I was surprised when they said the last time he was in the full field event, he won four games, I think they said. Yeah, 2014. Uh, yeah, right? but he's he's gone in a couple times since, and he hasn't been able to get through the the qualification relegation round thing. Mm-hmm. And so I – which is why I was surprised last time he was there. He won four times just based off of that. But mm-hmm. he seems to be having a good week. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're having a good time. And and they're another one of those teams that I think they know. They know what they are, right? That mm-hmm. they're not uh, out on the tour all the time. And and uh, they're just going and having fun. And when you play loose, you know, sometimes you just play better. I mean, our team that plays here in the men's spiel every year, we got we got our pops with us and uh, and your buddy Dave. And yeah. You know, we don't really have expectations of doing well, but we made the quarterfinal or semifinal this year, and like, you know, you just go out there and you know have fun. Yeah, you just play. Right? Yeah. That's what the whole point of it is: just to go, you play, you have fun, yeah. have a good time. And what's interesting too, and just looking at social media, some of the stuff that we've seen is, uh, you know, some of these players from Nova Scotia PI, uh, certainly Jamie Cooey's team. Um, <laughs> Apparently, the patch out in Regina, we talked about this in the preview, that it's connected, which is huge, especially apparently there's been a, uh, there was a big snowstorm there yeah, over the weekend. Big dump. And having that uh, connected so you don't have to go outside, uh, apparently the patch is just a Top good time, and these players are, are embracing it and having a good time. Yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely embracing the prairie atmosphere, I'd say. Yeah, now they get for the, the, the four teams who are, are now done, mm-hmm. uh, and then the four teams who will be done tonight, you got a couple days. You got all day tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah, they got nothing. their uh, their game on... You got Friday morning. Friday morning, yeah. So you got all day tomorrow to experience Regina, as the song has taught us to do. Uh, do some stuff uh, out there in the prairies. There's a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, it, in the city, it, that building, you know, we talked about it at the, the Scotties, that the building in Penticton didn't seem full a lot Mm -hmm. we talked about the numbers at the end of the week they were okay but certainly it seemed like they were struggling they were papering houses with kids and the morning draws that i've watched i haven't heard any kids um they might be doing it the same way but in a place like regina that building has been pretty full Mm -hmm. and and knowledgeable you know it always kind of bugs me when i think it bugs the players a little bit you can kind of hear it sometimes when they do something that is a bad shot but if you don't really know the game that well, it looks like a good shot. Mm-hmm. Like you hit something and maybe rolled closer to the button, but you were trying to roll the other way behind the corner guard. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. clap, oh, you're close to the middle. And the players seem to ignore You're not getting that in Regina. Yeah, we usually see that kind of thing at, at an Olympics, you know. Yeah, the, the we saw that in Korea, right? Exactly. That they would cheer as the rock was going deep. Yeah. They get louder as it went over the button and then slowly. Yeah, and I was at the, uh, the Olympics in Vancouver and... Even in Canada, where you'd expect the curling crowds to be the most knowledgeable, mm-hmm. oh man, they were cheering misses and acting like a wild and crazy crowd. It was like, uh, was that the waste management open out there? Everyone <laughs> was yelling so loud. But, but uh, like you say, I, there were kids there this morning uh, in Regina. Okay. But the rest of the time, you're right. It's been pretty full a few empty seats here and there obviously but super knowledgeable crowd and despite the bad weather they've had you mentioned the weather uh it has been pretty bad but they're getting uh, getting a good draw yeah and i think what's helped is from a marketing perspective and i i realize you can't actually 
finesse this in future events is having the host team and Team Canada in different pools, right? Because especially in, in Saskatchewan, in other provinces, it might not be as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But certainly in Saskatchewan, like Saskatchewan loves Saskatchewan, anything green, like they are in on. So and, and uh, having spent time out there, like you you get initiated quite quickly into the sea of green. Like rider pride. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, man, there's a lot of rider stuff out there. <laughs> but... And when the Scotties were there, when I was there, like in the promotional schedule, that's what they had. They they had it highlighted when Saskatchewan was playing and when Team Canada was playing. Mm. And especially this year with Brad Gushu as Team Canada, who a lot of people like. He might be the most popular curler in the country. And having them separately uh, or in different pools, then you have a draw for each pool, right? Yeah, no matter what. So you're not. it's not a situation where you could have... Like, and I think we saw this last year in St. John's on draws where Brad wasn't playing, the numbers were lower mm-hmm. because he wasn't there. Whereas here you have a sort of a signature team in each pool that can help draw people to yeah. the rank. Yeah, and, and we know the pools were done by rankings, mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily the way that they planned it, right? They didn't necessarily plan it that they would be separate, but it's definitely worked out. Yeah, it's worked out really well. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, our pal Dave St. Louis. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about how we played them in a Bonspiel here at the Rideau Curling Club, and we were able to come out victorious in that game, and that made us a little skeptical about their prospects for the week. But they came out the first two games, played well. We're keeping it close. The game against Brad Jacobs... They lost 6-3. David St. Louis' stated goal was to make it into the 10th end. And even though you'll see an X on the 10th end in that game, that's because they were run out of rocks. They threw stones, and they made Brad Jacobs' teams throw stones in the 10th end, which I think is a huge coup for this team. And there you go, like uh, goal goal accomplished, right? Mm-hmm. I was just looking at their uh, their stats. So the, the number of ends they played, they played 58 complete ends which is just over eight ends per game right and uh the first game they played nine i think against james grattan yeah uh, and that game was close that was a pretty close game I, I thought they were going to achieve their goal on the uh on the first yeah. game there <laughs> yeah so i'm happy for them and it's i think it's a great thing that they're there and putting up a bit of a fight maybe not much of a fight certainly they've been blown out a few times eddie mckenzie just uh, ran him off the ice today with a bunch of steals mm-hmm. and I mean that happens but uh, you know good for them we like them they're good guys yeah uh, and hopefully that they don't get crapped on by the the social media world that wonders why they're there but well Sean did you know that uh, everybody drink that he's Dave, from Stratford that Dave St. Louis from Stratford yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you heard this uh, mentioned at all throughout the broadcast but yeah <laughs> Vic seems to love that. Yeah, it's his uh, number one fact, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, which is weird because there's so many players in curling in 2018 who play for provinces in which they do not live. Yeah. And yet he really focuses on it with Dave St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But Dave St. Louis, he lived there for 20 years. Yeah, he, it's, it's, it's not, not like he's... He's not a full-on import. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, and, uh, yeah, I hope that their team... Uh, you know, maybe uh, gets the opportunity to come back and do it again. I know it costs a lot of money to travel from from Nunavut, and uh, and hopefully the experience was good, and they'll be up for it again. Hopefully, and and what was interesting too in talking to them that there are some younger players 
in the club up in Iqaluit, and one of the girls got to play, and she actually skipped, uh, or threw last, I don't know if she skipped, in the last game that that Nunavut team played. That's right. When she cursed on national TV and caught herself <laughs> in the process of doing it. But, you know, having these teams go, if you have, you know, teenagers, or the teams who would go to the juniors normally, if you can get, maybe not all of them, because of, I know one of the girls can play in the Scotties because of school commitments. But if you get these spots in there, maybe it turns into like what we've seen with Jamie Murphy or Eddie McKenzie. These guys come and, yeah, Jamie Murphy that struggled the first few times he was there, so did Eddie McKenzie. But now they're putting up fights and they're they're having good games and they're improving the overall quality of the field. So if we can get to that point with Nunavut, that's great. I know Nunavut has won games in the juniors. Yeah. Uh, so you know it uh, will take some time, but hopefully we can get there. Yeah, and and like you say, it, the juniors is the first step, and we're seeing it with Tom Scoffin. You know, mm-hmm. uh, played in juniors from age twelve all the way to eighteen, nineteen, whatever. So they've won a game this week. I'm sure their team will come back and keep building on that. And Nunavut, uh, they could probably hope for the same. Mm-hmm. And then. Let's also just real quick, James Grattan, great character. Mm-hmm. Love that he's there. Uh, did you know about James Grattan that that team plays out of Oromukto? Oh, Oromukto, <laughs> you say. I yeah. don't know if I've heard that before. <laughs> and they call him the kid, which I, I very much enjoy. Jimmy the kid. Uh, very good. He's, had, he's made some great shots. That's a fun team as well. And then Newfoundland and Labrador, the game tonight, which people are kind of excited about is is that team is going to play Brad Gushu. Mm-hmm. Apparently they've never played each other, uh, which I guess makes sense. I don't think Brad plays a lot in Newfoundland. Yeah. Uh, and the kid's only 21. So. And I heard their team, they just were sitting around drinking one night and decided, hey, let's put a team in the uh, playdowns next year. Yeah. Because Gushu wasn't going to play, ended up winning and are, by all accounts, having a great time. Did you see the video of Greg Smith? Uh, singing at the patch the other night. I did not see this. So he he was uh, being interviewed by Stu and and uh, the up close and personal and you know initiation into the briar. You got to sing a cappella in front of the whole crowd. No problem for this guy. He gets up, starts singing Dancing Queen. Nice. <laughs> yeah. He he seems like if if for whatever reason Brad Gushu to, were to retire um, or or what or move or something that this kid seems like he would just he would be the Eddie McKenzie of Newfoundland and Labrador show up every year put on a show have a good time be a star for a week and then go back to his life yeah you know uh, <laughs> I think you're right about that he, he, he seems uh, now what's interesting too the first game that he played he broke his broom on a pretty <laughs> epic broom smash in yeah. the sideboards where the head of the broom came off and it was a broom that was just a throwing broom and they clearly couldn't fix it or didn't try to fix it because th- now he's throwing with the broom that he's calling the game with. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have mellowed a little. Like, I think, yeah, your like, first Briar game, you're pretty amped up. Yeah. You miss a shot that's makeable. Like he's still like he's still yelling just as much and on the sweep calls and all that. And he still is excitable. But that first game, he seemed like he was getting really frustrated yeah. and angry. Yeah. Uh, and now he seems to have mellowed a bit. And, and yeah. he's putting on a show... Social media is blowing up about him. Yeah. And I, I saw Lee Mantha, who curls here, mm-hmm. and I said that Lee Mantha sounds exactly like this kid. They sound <laughs> the exact same. 
And Lee thought I was trying to insult, <laughs> insult him. <laughs> but I meant it as a compliment because everybody loves this kid. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. So what, what's, what's good about this field, I think, is even the teams that have struggled have been somewhat compelling, right? James Gratton, uh, Greg Smith, yeah. Eddie McKenzie. Th- they're still compelling figures to watch. Even Thomas Scoffin in that team, like he's playing with his dad. Yeah. He's, he's done really well in juniors before, and he's a guy who potentially, I think he's sort of like Sarah Colton, in the next wave of curlers from the north. Yeah. But they also have played a lot in, in the south in, in really good conditions against really good teams. Mm-hmm. And they could potentially, in the future, be disruptive in, in these sorts of events and, and really make it so that Northwest Territories, Yukon, now they're at the point where, yeah, I mean, against Kerry Galusha and Jamie Cooey, you, you have to play well to win. And yes, Jamie Cooey has made the playoffs before, but maybe with these players, as they improve, as they get older, it gets to the point where they're more serious playoff contenders. Yeah, I mean, and we're seeing the evolution starting now. So hopefully that's the case. And, uh, I mean, when you talk about stories, Sean, uh, even Sean Giel and his team with two players expecting children and one flying out midway through the first game. First game. uh, You know, getting his Briar experience in four ends. You know, I, I think, like, there's stories to be had even in an event where most of the teams aren't gonna you know win the championship mm-hmm. but there's there's stories there yeah it's it's been a really fun field a compelling field to to pay attention to and yeah having having to leave after four ends they showed a picture of him uh with his oldest daughter mm-hmm. who looks like she's maybe around three that he was holding her uh and it was like sort of a selfie with him and his daughter uh and the tv with the briar on in the background <laughs> uh, uh watching from afar but yeah it's it's been pretty cool and and a fun event and i think I really do think, I said this on the Scotties recap we did, I think one of the things that hurt the Scotties was the building, frankly, that it looked dark on TV. Like, mm-hmm. physically, it just looked dark. And that just had this weird aura about it. You're not getting that in Regina. That's no. a really great building. And I, I think, from what I can see on social media, at least, people are starting to warm up to the format a little bit. Well, there you go. So it's been a good field. And hopefully over the course of the weekend, here's a chance, Scotty. If you want to, I will let you make a change to your playoff picks based off what you've seen. Based off what I've seen? Will you remind me of what my playoff picks are? No, you have to know this uh, yourself. Oh, boy. I think I decided to go with uh, the same four or three of the same four that we've seen before. So Brad Gushu, Mike McEwen, and Brad Jacobs. So the last two years, we've had those three teams make the playoffs. I picked those three again. And I believe my other team was Reed Carruthers. It was my other team. I know that. If, um, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I, I might be I think mistaken. He had, I think he had Laycock. We can fact check this, but I think he had Laycock as the hometown team. Oh, oh you might be right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll change it. I'll, I'll put uh, John Epping's team in there. John They're playing, playing well. great. Playing really well. Yeah, I lost that opener to Brad Jacobs, rattled off six in a row. Mm-hmm. There, He's got a real good read on the ice, real good feel for it. Matt Cam is making uh, great shots at third, mm-hmm. cleaning up messes that might be left by the, the rest of the team. And uh, Very so, solid performance. So give me John Epping's team to go through. All right, I, I like that. A little change. I'm going to stick with my four, with Reed Crothers as my fourth team going through and and even though they're now at two i'm gonna 
stick with them. Uh, one other thing, real, real, real quick, and that playing game last Friday night, mm. really interesting. Uh, Jason Gunlison is super fun. He throws it so hard, mm-hmm. and he was a bit of a victim of circumstance in that last end where he felt it was picking and then basically, like, Rolled sort of, it. like, plate spun the, the rock down the ice, which was kind of strange. But I think I, I don't think that team is nearly as good as Mike McEwen, and, but I think they probably would have gotten into to the next round. But he's a fun guy to watch because he can just Hulk smash and everything goes. Yeah, Hulk smash is the right word for sure. I, I don't know if they're that much victims of circumstance as much as he... They were in control of the game. blew the game, I thought. Yeah, but, they were uh, in control. With, sure. with his call, I don't know why he decided to draw that last one either. Yeah, I that mean, was a little confusing because that's against what he does best. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe a bit of a, a, bit of a second guess on the... The, the strategy there, but yeah, we got what we got, and it was a fun game for sure to watch. Yeah, it was a, it was a good way to start the week, so a uh, quick update here on sheet two. The team throwing blue stones did score in the fourth end, hey. so it's a 8-1 to one game as they uh, they just finished the fifth end and are starting the sixth. I don't know what happened yet, but Red is throwing first, so Red has at least an eight-point lead. And you know what? Good for them playing the stones back to the home end. They're not giving up just yet. Hey, you know what? You pay the same amount of money, um, you know, so why not? Why not, eh? Keep keep playing. It's only 6.15. If this was a 9 o'clock game, they would be off the ice, though. I'm willing to, to wager. So that'll do it for our sort of oh, there's week. One more oh, thing here, Sean. What's up? One more thing. Did you know we have a sponsor for this podcast? Oh, no. They, they didn't contact me. Who's our yeah, sponsor? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I got word that our sponsor is going to be uh, Acorn Stairlifts. <laughs> You know, uh, is that gonna they're going to help you get back downstairs after we record this. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're very affordable, much more affordable than moving. And with it, you can be the king of your own castle. Okay, that's good because you're always uh, hurt. So you you actually are going to need this. I'm glad they're sponsoring. They're going to set you up with one to get oh, you, you know, upstairs uh, in your the, building. Yeah, yeah. The uh, you know we're we're going back and forth on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, uh, our friend Nancy, who was on the show uh, a few weeks ago, she sent me a picture, uh, a screen grab. During the game the other night, someone had a sign that said Game of Stones on it. Hey! It was a Game of Stones sign. So if that person listens, thank you. We're getting uh, shout-outs. But yeah, so it was very exciting to have a Game of Stones sign in the crowd. And if you're in Regina, you know, dap us up a little bit. <laughs> you know, Game of Stones. So, uh, so thank you to that person. And yes, thank you to Acorn. <laughs> Lifts. Uh, so that'll do it for our midweek recap. Uh, everyone, enjoy the playoffs coming up this weekend. We will be back Monday, I think, to do a recap of the week that was. And then we'll come back I mean, this season because of the Olympics. It just churns on and on. The Women's World Championships starts next Saturday, the 17th, I think it is. 17th, you're right. In North Bay, Ontario. So we'll, we'll have two shows next week. We'll do a Briar recap. We'll do a women's worlds preview and some some interesting teams are going uh Mm -hmm. to the women's world so this will be a really fun field to to break down same thing with the men's i know scotland has played theirs and a couple different teams from what we saw at the olympics representing them so we'll break all that down next week but until then do enjoy the rest of the briar enjoy the championship pool and the playoffs scotty thank you as always for joining no problem bud 
If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcast. You can also give us a rating there. You can follow us on Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. Email the show at uh, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. And you can let us know what you like. If you don't like it, you can also let us know what you don't like about it. Uh, but if you, or if you, there's something you want us to address on the show, do let us know. So until next time, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.